Well, those of you who are able, please stand as I read today's gospel text, which is in Mark chapter 5, beginning in verse 21. When Jesus had crossed again in the boat to the other side, a great crowd gathered around him, and he was by the sea. Then one of the leaders of the synagogue named Jairus came, and when he saw him, fell at his feet and begged him repeatedly, My little daughter is at the point of death. Come and lay your hands on her so that she may be made well and live. So he went with him. And a large crowd followed him and pressed in on him. Now there was a woman who had been suffering from hemorrhages for 12 years. She had endured much under many physicians and had spent all that she had. And she was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak. For she said, if I but touch his clothes, I will be made well. Immediately, her hemorrhage stopped and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Immediately aware that power had gone out from him, Jesus turned about in the crowd and said, Who touched my clothes? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing in on you? How can you say who touched me? He looked all around to see who had done it, but the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before Jesus and told him the whole truth. He said to her, Daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. While he was still speaking, some people from Jairus' house came to say, Your daughter is dead. Why trouble the teacher any further? But overhearing what they said, Jesus said to Jairus, Do not fear, only believe. He allowed no one to follow him except Peter, James, and John, the brother of James. When they came to the house of the leader of the synagogue, he saw a commotion, people weeping and wailing loudly. When he had entered, he said to them, Why do you make a commotion and weep? The child is not dead, but sleeping. And they laughed at him. Then he put them all outside and took the child's father and mother and those who were with him and went in where the child was. He took her by the hand and said to her, Talitha kum, which means, little girl, get up. And immediately she got up and began to walk about. At this they were overcome with amazement, and he strictly ordered them that no one should know this, and told them to give her something to eat. You may be seated. Today's Bible story occurs during Jesus' ministry in the area of Galilee which is about 70 miles north of Jerusalem. His ministry was to to preach and to perform miracles. The purpose of his ministry was to show people what God's kingdom is like. 
He traveled around the area of the Sea of Galilee on foot and by crossing the sea in a boat. By the time we get to today's passage, Jesus' ministry is drawing very large crowds. The text says that as soon as Jesus got out of the boat, the crowds pressed in on him and his followers. It was loud and dusty, and I'm sure people had all kinds of questions and requests for Jesus. Interestingly enough, Jesus gives his attention to Jairus, a synagogue leader. Now, if I were Jesus, I'm not sure I would associate with Jairus. Earlier, when Jesus healed on the Sabbath, the Pharisees at the synagogue decided that they would find a way to destroy Jesus. It could be risky for Jesus to associate with Jairus, who is a wealthy and powerful man and likely connected to the Pharisees. But Jesus does. He and Jairus begin to make their way to Jairus' daughter, who is so sick, she's about to die. And as they are going, Jesus encounters another person in need. The woman who is not named, is not wealthy and not powerful, is desperate as well. Her ongoing problem with bleeding has kept her on the margins of her community, barely scraping enough together to survive. Jesus is the last for the unnamed woman, and for Jairus. The Gospel of Mark weaves these stories together on purpose. Jairus is rich and well-connected. The woman is poor and needy. They live in two different worlds, yet they are both banking all they have left on Jesus. And Jesus offers healing to both of them. Jesus personally touches both of their lives. He stops to talk in public with an unclean woman who has touched him. He goes into Jairus' home. He doesn't seem concerned with how these acts will benefit or harm him. Jesus offers God's saving presence to both. Showing them that where God is, there is mercy and power. A woman miraculously healed. A child brought back from the dead. I'm not sure about you, but I struggle with this story. The same questions come up every time I hear it. Did that really happen? If it did, do miracles happen today? And if miracles do happen, then why didn't it happen with this person or that person? Why are some people, people who don't seem very deserving, Healed 
and others who have hoped and prayed and believed with all they have. Not. This is one of those stories that makes us wonder. Will he or she be healed? Will we be healed? Will I be healed? We know deep down in our souls that our world is still plagued by the same illness and poverty that were around when Jairus and the unnamed woman lived. Access to affordable and quality medical care continues to evade large swaths of the population even in the most developed places on earth. Because the economic gap between rich and poor continues to widen, it is increasingly difficult for the average person to access education and opportunity. And today, in 2015, Pretty much any way we look at it, we know that we are burning through natural resources at an unsustainable pace. Our living living habits are damaging the world that God has called us to steward. And material poverty is still one of the most pressing issues in our world today. As the last several years show, between two and three million children are still dying every year from nutrition-related issues. Even in countries where there is enough food to provide quality nutrition. And today we know that where there is poverty, there is violence. And where there is extreme poverty, there is extreme violence. Several years ago, I read a study on the book of Revelation by Marva Dawn. I don't know if any of you are familiar with Marva Dawn. She's one of my heroines and happens to be one of my favorite authors. This book was published in 2002, and words from that book... Stick with me verbatim to this day. She wrote, The amount spent throughout the world on military equipment and personnel in one day, one day, is equal to the cost of feeding, clothing, and housing the entire world for a year. New weapons continue to be constructed to destroy while 40,000 people die each day of malnutrition and related diseases. Those are thought-provoking words. What is perhaps the most troubling symptom of our collective illness is our ability 
my ability to live in denial. To know that one billion of our fellow humans live on less than one dollar a day and lack access to the most basic necessities. To know so much of what is wrong in God's world and yet fail so miserably to love our neighbors, my neighbors. This is a disease of spirit and soul and relationship. Some of us are here today longing for our bodies to be healed. Some of us are here searching for healing, transformation, and our souls, our spirits, and our relationships. Longing for the life that is really life. Asking, will I be made well? Will we be made well? There is, there is good news for Jairus' daughter and the unnamed woman. And there's good news for us. Jesus shows us that we should expect the unexpected. Where Christ is, there also is God's merciful and mighty presence, dramatically transforming lives, healing not only bodies, but spirits and minds and relationships. But even as we see healing happening in this story, do we hear what Jesus says? Daughter, your faith, your faith has made you well. Do not fear, Jairus. Only believe. Jesus talks about faith. Jesus shows us that healing and faith are two sides of the same coin. They go together. There can't be one without the other. Jesus shows us the kind of faith that we are supposed to have. Desperate faith. The kind of faith that runs to Jesus and falls down on the ground begging for help. The kind of faith that reaches with all of its might to touch just the hem of Jesus' robe, risking reputation and rebuke. The kind of faith that banks all that's left on God's saving presence. The Greek word that Jesus uses for faith means conviction, assurance, belief. But not simply belief that Jesus can perform a magic show 
or work a few wonders, as people in his day expected of diviners and healers. No, this word Jesus uses means faith, that salvation comes from God. Wholeness, healing, transformation, shalom, are found when we bank all we've got on God. And this is a difficult concept in 2015. This is an especially difficult concept for we who do church in 2015. We don't put all of our eggs in one basket in 2015. We have backup plans for our backup plans. And if we can't have a backup plan, then we're just not going to do it. And time is money, so whatever we do needs to be quick and easy. Our measure of success is profitability. Our measure for worth is productivity. We go for quantity over quality and settle for whatever will sell. But we are called to faith. The church is called to faith. In a world where people are increasingly disillusioned with the church and skeptical of organizations and institutions, we are called to be honest instead of hypocritical, confessional instead of judgmental, and vulnerable instead of prideful. We are called to speak peace and healing and truth in a violent and hurting and upside-down world. And we are called to go and be present, to be present where there is suffering, to offer healing and transformation. And when we have given it all we've got, we are called to bank all we have on God's saving presence. To trust that God is healing all things in God's time. My first semester of college, almost 11 years ago, I became very ill. And like Jairus' daughter, I was in the final days of my life. And I stand before you all today, a person who experienced healing that doesn't make sense. My life is a miracle. And in that most critical time in my life, 11 years ago, it was the fate of others that saved me. My parents, my roommate, my friends, my church. 
surrounded me with love and care and hope and faith. They believed in God's working in my life. And they loved me into the person I am today. I believe in the church. I believe that God is at work through the church, offering life where there is death, offering substance where there is emptiness, and offering hope where there is despair. I hope that we can keep thinking about faith, about the mystery of Jesus' faithful words and action. I hope that we can keep praying for faith, praying for the courage to give this all we've got. And I hope that we can keep acting in faith, reaching out to God and sharing God's saving presence with the world.